my spidey senses tingling. Watch out, friends of the show. This is the host that will play your old audio tracks out of context on you on a whim. He's slim. The host of the Paper Keg Podcast. This is episode 141. Coming in hot. Jonesy loves redlining. Uh, Welcome to the Paper Keg Podcast. We talk about the books we're reading and we'll do a book club together. We're doing something we've never done before. Consecutive trade paperbacks. Astonishing X-Men. Dangerous. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Oh, God. It's going to be a great show. I can feel it in my bones. I can feel it in my bones. Uh, speaking of feeling good, look at him. He's doing a juke and jive maneuver. Dale underscore podcast bad boy. Twitter celeb. Welcome. Thank you for having me back. It is wonderful to be here this evening. I am uh, jump, jive, and whale, and I have an electric blanket draped around me, ensconcing me in warmth as the end of this blanket's plugged into a wall outlet. As uh, uh, you, you would not even conceive that that science, that doesn't sound that technology safe. would allow that to happen. But, and yet, here I am. You might as well just take a toaster in your hand and jump into a bathtub full of water at that point. But I'll, I'm not sure current even works like that anymore. I'm not sure that's I think uh, Here we you go. You want to test it okay. out? You want to plug in a toaster oven in, in, near your bath and let Maybe it drop in? Maybe yeah, I will. Let us know how it goes. Maybe I will. Maybe I'm a man and still have a pair of bees and I just want to jump in a bathtub with a charged toaster. That inappropriate tough guy. Shop foreman, ladies and gentlemen. Jonesy loves beer. He's an unpublished writer, never published in his life, but he's working on something, and it might just be around the corner. Uh, he, might just be any He's day. also a father, family man. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me, and of course, Dale, as always, I lash out out of jealousy. That is a magnificent looking electric bike. Uh, yeah, well, geez, that was unexpected. I don't think anyone's ever said a sentence like that in history. (laughs) (laughs) What a show. What a show we have planned. First time we've ever gone back to a book consecutively. We did Gifted. Put it in the wiki. Last week. We're doing Dangerous. This week. Uh, Jossus. H. Whedon. And John Cassidy. Uh, you ever heard of Firefly? Those people are rabid animals. <laughs> Joss, we're still flying out here, Joss. And they need, oh, we're still they need to be put down immediately. That's Just our book. Put them down gently. Last week, Dale hosted the show. It was one of our more most popular episodes in history. Fact. 
people love Dale. How how do you uh, how do you guys think it went? Honestly, give me give it to me, honest. Slim, you cannot leave the show and or pass the torch over full time. Aside from that, as I pass the torch from my faltering hand to Dale underscore a vision of things to come? Question mark one forty. I know it. Special guest host Slim. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it went pretty well. You know, you're a seasoned veteran with that book jug podcast that you two yahoos do. You read books, you listen to books, and you do a podcast about it. Amazing. Book jug. Check it out. Yeah, thanks uh, Thanks for that plug plug, in, plug on the show sure. for you. Yeah, uh, Jonesy, what did you think? How did, how did it go for you uh, on your end? I, lo- I loved it. Every, every part of it. You know, one thing I love about Dale is when he commits to something... He wants to make sure he puts out the highest quality that he can. And uh, the love and care that he had for that episode uh, shined through. And I think uh, we're all better for having lived through it. What a time to be alive. If you want to, if you want, like, maybe go a little deeper dive into the effort that Dale puts into something, listen to the flap where Dale poopied his pants and <laughs> told a story about how that happened. On the podcast. It was a great episode. Oh, boy. That was uh, some of my best work. <laughs> Question mark for... <laughs> I mean, with the uh, the the number of downloads that we're getting on the show, I mean, God, wonder how many people just heard that for the first time, huh? Yeah, we have a... I actually set up one of those ticker tape machines yeah. in my office, my make-believe office. Every time someone downloads or streams the show, it, it just it just won't stop. If you ever needed to picture me Frankenstein walking up a flight of stairs with poop, oh, poop uh, caking my underwear wrapped around oh. my ankles, you listen to that episode of The Flap. That's where you would go for that. I just picture the young 17-year-old comic fan who just found a link to this paper keg thing and tuned into YouTube at that exact moment, seventeen-year-old. This is that's that's listen, Academy Award. Listen, we're running out of tape, but I do want to say one thing to our usual faithful listeners that have listened to this show since episode forty-seven. We have uncovered the footage that has rocked oh, this show for so many months. We talk about it's it almost a hundred episodes we ago. Talk about it like it was yesterday. It was a segment of the show that we've never played ever again. Where Jonesy just turned into a raging animal monster against a friend of his, where the phrase "eat your own ass and die" were voiced on this very podcast. Maybe we'll get into it. I don't know if we'll have time to play it, but we'll just we'll just keep Hopefully moving we along. Won't. We have to get into the comic okay. talk. Uh, Dale underscore a celeb. What did you read this week? I went ahead and I read uh, an all new. Marvel Now book. Okay. That book, Fantastic Four number one, Fudge. James D. Robinson, Michael Lark. The Fall of the Fantastic Four. James D., my man, my uh, my drunken Twitter buddy. That man. Can I just, buddy. Can, I ju- can I jump in and mention that it was actually Leonard Kirk? Leonard Kirk. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's Michael okay. Lark is... Uh, Lazarus, I believe. 
He was on my mind because I was trying to. I was about to tweet him earlier, talking about how he talked about Lazarus. You got to get those up downloads up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Gotta, well, I mean, they can't get any higher. The ticker tape machine. I actually had to put it in a closet. <laughs> That's why you can't hear it. Thanks for uh, saving me there, Slim. Mm-hmm. Um, Fantastic Four number one, all new Marvel Now initiative, is a uh, meant to be a jumping on point for the new Fantastic Four moving ahead. A couple changes that. Uh, are explained to you as you get into it done in a pretty neat fashion. Um, It's a flashback. It's one of those flashback um, issues where the first couple pages are the here and now, and then it takes you back to what led up to the, the, that point in the story. Um, First couple pages, Ben Grimm in jail wanted for murder. Mm. Um, Sue storm, P.O.'d at Reed Richards, um, as she's wont to do, because, uh, the, you know, the family that that fares space and time together stays together, but since Reed Richards isn't quite the model husband, you know, God only knows what uh, Reed did to pee Sue off so bad. Um, Johnny Storms, uh, kind of out of control. And uh, flashback to um, how it all started. Valeria, I guess, um, Valeria stayed in Latveria. The previous... I can't what is this music from? <laughs> what was that? What? Paul Simon. Come on. I tried to test Dale to see if he'll break and dance in the middle of a review. He did not. Moving on. Uh, um... <laughs> So Sue is penning a letter to Valeria, who stayed in Latveria. That must have been some carryover from the last ish, uh, last run of the book, uh, Matt Fraction's run, and um, the other fella. And uh, it's a it's a nice setup. They fight Fin Fang Foom in the beginning, and there's some speculation as to Reed's not quite sure what Fin Fang Foom was doing because usually Finn usually has an agenda when he's creating havoc and this time he was kind of sort of lumbering through Manhattan and that could be bad um, after a, a after a big day in the life of the Fantastic Four they all settle in semi satisfied on how the day went and these creatures are busted out of a sealed room in the Baxter building and that is the cliffhanger stay tuned for the attack on Manhattan Next issue on the Fantastic Four. Hmm. I really, I really like this issue. Um, it kind of uh, shows you what the Fantastic Four is all about. It is there is some family, you know. They're the space. They're the world's first super family, and there's some family elements in the book that's touched upon. I think James D. Robinson does a heck of a job setting up for his uh, Fantastic Four run. They're all wearing red suits, though. I'd like to know how that came into play, but... Wouldn't you? But we'll get there. I don't know. I don't know how I felt about that issue. I... I think it... I think it was very retro. I don't know how else to say it. I felt like it was a very retro comic. I think um, Ben Grimm sounded very retro. Like, he was written to sound even more slangy than he talks. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I just felt like it felt like it could have been an '80s or a '90s Fantastic Four, which I guess really the yeah. only Fantastic Four I'm used to is the Hickman kind of yeah. like high up, high reaching. Yeah, and that's yeah. I definitely get your point, and that's why I kind of went into it figuring I would I was going to check this out because I don't have much to compare it against. Hmm. You, you know, we did the uh, super secret. Uh, recording of uh, Fantastic Four's World's Greatest for Paper Keg 74.1 mm. 73.1 <clears throat> but after that there's not much maybe I've read one or two issues of something here and there but uh, yeah I liked it I liked it better than the uh, what was James Robinson's other book The Invaders yeah that's way out there hmm. weird hmm. but but the guy wrote Starman you gotta give him that he and he drunkenly flashes out on Twitter in certain on certain occasions. He went like after Paul Shear. He went after Paul Shear, our dear Did friend he really? from How Did This Get Made? Yeah, apparently his uh, entourage at San Diego Comic Con brushed James Robinson aside. He wasn't having it. <laughs> Whoa! Wow. Google those two names. I think you'll find the tweet stream about it. Find the uh, net beef. A net, yeah, classic net beef instance. Oh yeah. How that goes. A, I, that's actually the slang they use <laughs> on the internet these days, net beef. Dale, now for someone who's not into Fantastic Four like myself, could you consider this a way to get hooked in? Or do you really need to know and like the Fantastic Four to enjoy this issue? I don't think you need to know and like the Fantastic Four. You could get hooked in if you like the story. I think it it presents a perfect example of what the Fantastic Four are, even if you didn't have any preconceived notions of the Fantastic Four. Now, whether you like that angle, where they're a family and they're sticking together through through uh, things, I think that's you have to be into that, or you're not into it. As far as the right. Fantastic Four is concerned, but if but if it, I tell you what, if it starts coming out every two weeks, like every other Marvel Now book. I probably can't recommend <laughs> it because yes. holy every stress. four days the new issue comes out. I wonder out. if I don't know if they're all double shipping. I kind of just guess that they try to get the first two issues out relatively quick, and then they and then it goes monthly. That's what I assumed for some reason. I don't know how accurate that is. Maybe they'll level off. I know the Punisher's third issue is already coming out next week. Oh, and that's been yeah. Oh, yeah. Great book though. My heavens. Oh yeah, God, it's great. heavens. Great book. Um, I'll go next. I want to talk about a book called Chickens mm. by uh, Eric Grissom and Claire Connolly. Oh, Claire Connolly. Yeah, maybe um, maybe our circle might know Claire Connolly's art, but I follow her on Tumblr. Uh, I think she had, might have actually signed at our show sponsor, the comic book shop in Delaware. Oh, yeah. She's been there a couple times. She's a uh, she's a great person. She's got some good art. Um, so this is like a little one. I think it's a one shot, but it might have more issues. But dealing with different animals, the series is called Animals. And uh, if you haven't ever seen Claire Connolly's art, it's it's I think it's fantastic. It reminds me of like a, a uh, like an alternate universe um, Jeff Lemire style. Very very similar, but very different. Love it. Uh, so this little one-shot is a black-and-white story that follows the daughter of a woman that runs kind of a, a boarding house. 
and she's done it her whole life and you kind of see her poke around and maybe yearn for something more than just cleaning up this boarding house and never really leaving the area or seeing the world and she finally gets a chance when the uh, inspector shuts down the boarding house because there's something wrong with the electrical in the house so he like cancels the the I don't know what the heck you call that the lease the license for the boarding house and uh, there's some really cool moments where you see her interact with one of the tenants and he's a, he's kind of an adult version of what her younger brother could turn out to be which is what she doesn't want her brother hates going to school and might end up working at the slaughterhouse if he doesn't set set his life straight and this guy that lives in the boarding house is is essentially him older and um it's just this really cool moment where at the end she makes a decision now that she doesn't have to work at the boarding house to go and explore the world that she's never seen i thought it was really great i was actually really really surprised um how much i liked it um anthropomorphics this is right up your alley uh dale and jonesy i know jonesy's probably tapping away right now buying it um <laughs> sorry he already he's trying it. to support claire connelly guys just read it what's wrong with hashtag that hashtag what is wrong with that homorphic um anthro take my money now. really really great really really good book i definitely recommend buying it and trying it fantastic stuff and then follow follow the creator stuff i mean claire puts out i think a lot of like one shots free on her tumblr which yeah. are always great to see when I'm flicking through my iPad, you know, 2 a.m. looking for stuff to do. Her her style is so unique, and she's always putting out something new, which is really cool. You could tell her mind's just working. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, call me a, a, a fanboy, whatever, but when she does, like, a commission of a Marvel, her DC character, to see, to see her interpretation of, like, Daredevil or MODOK, it's the coolest thing ever. It's fantastic. Yeah, she's she's very talented. So you heard here first on Paper Cake. We called it <laughs> first time ever. Uh, Jonesy loves beer. You're you're off you're off the bottle. Thankfully, you have a kid. Um, you're having your sleep patterns examined off air. What did you read <laughs> this week? I read a excellent monkey brain title. And that was The Remains by uh, Cullen Bunn. You'll know him Ooh, from uh, yeah. the Six Gun fame. Uh, art by A.C. Zamudio. A.C. Zamudio. And uh, The Remains is about a young girl uh, named Birdie and her younger sister, uh, Abigail. And they live in a farm on the Midwest. Uh, their mother is, you know, a couple months pregnant and their father has like crippling rheumatoid arthritis so he can't like manipulate his hands. So they're in they're in a, a wanting way at the farm. So a drifter uh, comes through looking for work and everybody kind of sees him as a you know, just down on his luck guy trying to get some money. He's a little dirty, he's a little shabby, but there's a panel where the drifter locks eyes with Birdie and she knows that there is something very wrong with him. Uh, despite that, her father hires him on. He goes to make a room in like uh, the back of the barn. She pleads with her father 
uh, to not take him on. And he's basically, you know, I can't move my hands. I need somebody here to help us. And your mom's going to have, it's going to be, you know, too soon that your mom won't be able to help at all. So she takes her sister to do her chores. She's very nonplussed about the whole situation. Uh, their barn is famous for their rat infestation. So they grab their dog to kind of chase out the rats. So they're going to get rid of them. And after the dog does a lot of work killing the rats, uh, very supernaturally, the rats come back to life as zombies. Mm. Total curveball. Uh, they have to kill the rats again. The, the younger sister gets bit at one point, and uh, they destroy the rats the second time. I mean, it's a great line as they die hard, but they die just the same. And you're kind of left at a cliffhanger where who is this drifter that he changed, that he can bring rats back from the dead? And what exactly is the sinister element here? And uh, great, I mean, Cullen Bunn is, uh, I don't think, I don't have to tell anybody here, what an emerging talent. The Six Gun, I think, is in its 40th issue or, or mid-40s. Uh, and that, he's a, just a talent in supernatural writing. And it uh, looks like The Remains is not going to disappoint. I mean, it's, and the art is, um, I want to call it, uh, you remember Highlights Magazine, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you know everything was kind of humanoid. Think of like a darker version of Highlights Magazine. It's a really, really, really great uh, inaugural issue. Hmm. Uh, the remains. Check it out. You you got it. Jonesy loves get, beer. Is that new this week? Jones? Yeah, it just came out. The first came issue out five this minutes week. ago. Jonesy uh, read it while the show like was on. <laughs> I like to uh, support the monkey brain, so I did go ahead and buy it rather than get it free off their site. So uh, you know, ninety nine cents. I mean, yeah. you're, you're helping a you're helping a, a comic artist, you know, buy food with that money. Is it monkey brain or thrill bent? <clears throat> monkey brain. Monkey brain. Monkey brain. Uh, there's so much. There's so much. God, it's not fair. There's no time. There's, there's no, no time. time. There's so much I, I want to read, and, and there's not What's a, even worse is that a, you don't read a whole lot, but you picked my lightning round book for your round table, so thank you for that. Uh, two sentences or less. Another book that you read. We're running out of tape. We have to get to the book club before the tape runs out. Dale underscore A. <clears throat> Nemo, Roses of Berlin. Oh, Uh, set in the world of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Captain Nemo's daughter continues the seafaring adventures of her father. Spoilers. An entertaining book, but as long as it was, it felt like a continuation of a story I missed previous to this. So I was kind of off balance the whole read. Black Science number four. The events of this issue shocked me sooner than I would have anticipated. Bye. Bye. The Superior Spider-Man, <gasps> issue 28. 
things are coming to a climax at a breakneck pace. And the only person standing in the way between Otto Octavius and the Green Goblin is Carly Cooper. What? <laughs> Astonishing X-Men Volume 2 Dangerous by Joss Whedon and John Cassidy Marvel Comics My Lord This is the follow-up to the legendary first volume Gifted which we literally just talked about Paper Keg 140 Check it out Paper Cake Podcast, you might like it. Uh, you know, the X-Men, they're done with the leather. They're keeping at it in this new monthly book. Jonesy, please. Please. Mm-hmm. Please. Much like Kung Fu, the legend continues here. As Volume 2, I don't even have a lozenge in, <laughs> as Volume 2 <laughs> of Astonishing, Astonishing X-Men uh, brings us deeper into the world of Jossus's, uh Xavier School. Uh, you know, his young group of mutants, uh, Wing, being uh, the primary motivator here. Uh, yeah, I did have to blink my contacts out, Slim. Thanks for pointing it out. And now this is going to be on Wing. record forever. Incoming, uh, Slim. Incoming. Duck. <laughs> duck. <laughs> Harsh words coming your way. So we find that Wing is being motivated, uh, egged on by someone on the edge of a hill. And that mysterious force is also sending some rogue sentinels to attack Xavier's school. The X-Men arrive fresh off a uh, sortie in Manhattan where they assist the Fantastic Four in uh, uh, putting a dinosaur back into the Earth. And uh, one of the best uh, Wolverine and the Thing uh, by-play conversations happens in that issue. Uh, but back to the attack on Xavier's school. Uh, they you know, get the children safely in a danger room, and they're ready to battle off the Sentinel, only to find out their enemy is the danger room itself. Uh, after Charles Xavier upgrades the danger room with Shi'ar technology, it becomes sentient and decides that its mission, its programming, is to destroy the X-Men. Everybody kind of figures it out. You know, Cyclops kind of puts two and two together. You know, they realize that her, you know, her being danger referred to as her, uh, her ultimate goal is to kill her creator, Charles Xavier. So who makes a guest uh, appearance at the end of this book where he confronts his creation and some very damaging secrets are revealed about the secrets being kept between characters. Perfect bridge between Volume 3. Uh, that's Volume 2 of Astonishing X-Men, Dangerous. Mm. Man alive, Joss Whedon. I just want to talk about Joss's mm-hmm. comedic timing. You know, during that first issue uh, where they go to assist the Fantastic Four, and the tone of the whole um, 
series is, is dark at this point because of the mutant cure. And very flippantly, uh, the thing asks Wolverine, hey, didn't they come up for a cure for your kind? And you're like, oh, my God, that yeah. thing, that's, yeah. that's so racist. And uh, Wolverine's like, you got a problem with mutants? And the thing's just very offhand, no, I hate Canadians. <laughs> I mean, what a great one-liner from the immortal New Testament justice. Thank you. <laughs> Dale, what did you think of Volume 2 and Volume 2 compared to the historic Volume 1? Mm-hmm. Well, doesn't sound good so far. No, nothing <laughs> compares to you, to one. Um, it's it's really good. It's really good, amazing good. I don't but. think it holds. I think the first volume, Joss and John are on it, and they're ready to knock your pants off. They don't pull any stops in that first arc, but the sec- i mean that said the second arc is really original and i i mean I love it just the same I think the uh the um the pain that wing is going through and the ultimate uh suicide assisted suicide basically um of of that character is kind of sobering. And, but like, uh, like Jonesy said, the, the timing, jo- I mean, Joss can just, like, he just knows, like, you don't want to put so much faith into one man, but he can write the X-Men, like, he can write just anybody, he can write the X-Men like, like you never want him to stop writing the X-Men. And it's a great run, the interaction between the characters are, are suffocatingly, uh, amazing and I think when I I think when I first read this arc years ago I didn't I wasn't as impressed or I think I was turned off because danger just looked so creepy in ways mm-hmm. but kind of looked like that doll from Saw just, yeah, uh, yeah gray yeah. instead of white yeah exactly um, that's exactly right but but it's such an original idea that the danger room becomes a sentient. The danger room is the X-Men. Like, the X-Men have their danger room, and that's, that's like, as synonymous with the X-Men as, as any of the characters themselves or Wolverine's Claw. You know, it's like, it's, all, it's like always been a character, and now it really is a sentient, a sentient character. And what, I think what is cool or, or how, you know, it was, she was eventually freed or she was able to wake up was having that death in the danger room that she didn't facilitate, but, or she didn't cause, but she facilitated and helped, helped along. And it's really dark. Like she's, Mm -hmm. she's a bee. (laughs) She is a bee. She's a big old bee. Mm -hmm. The, um, trying to think of what I overall I think you're right it's like it's great it's just hard to compare to that first volume and I right. I felt like maybe there was some final maybe like some slowdown in Cassidy's genius in the first or second issue of this trade but it it was very minuscule it was like the 
the, some of the Fantastic Four interactions were kind of not up to the high level of the Cassidy stuff. But overall, it still was amazingly drawn. There were so many great moments. And I totally forgot that this trade had another one of those Kitty Pride Colossus pages that made me like, you know, laugh out loud and cheer and almost mm-hmm. like tear up because it was probably one of the strongest emotional pages that like you'll read in comics. And it was when um, you, 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 you hear, you see Colossus and Kitty interacting about going to Genosha because that's where the climax takes place. You know, the final battle and I'm skipping ahead, but the final battle between professor X and danger because that was her ultimate goal was to kill the father of her and Kitty Pride decides to go even though her some of her family were killed when Genosha was like overrun by that sentinel that Cassandra Nova uh released on it so like billions of people died on Genosha including some of her family so she decides that she wants to join the team and go there and <clears throat> that same sentinel has been dormant this whole time since that genocide. And when they get there, it awakens and and does battle with them. And there's literally no time for the X-Men to leave. Like, there's no chance that they'll survive this attack by the Sentinel. So it unleashes its, its like, you know, optic blast-type power, and they all hold on to Kitty at the last second so that it, they, she phases them. And her line at the bottom of that page, you know, is that all you got, bub? And she's, like, sweating. Like, I, on on the train, I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, I just, like, I (laughs) laughed out loud because it was so good. And it was so poignant and it was so in key with uh, Kitty Pride's character and hearing the backstory. I thought that that was equally as powerful as the Colossus page in the first trade. I think uh, Kitty Pryde probably goes down as my favorite character in this entire run. I mean, it's really her that the events of this world kind of rotate around. And what a, you know, another strong female lead that Jossus uh, Christ just knows knows how to write. I mean, all the way back to his Buffy the Vampire Slayer days, like he knows how to write, you know, strong, intelligent women who get S done and uh, Kitty Pride's no exception and she's the pivotal character in this book and uh, I enjoy it I mean could I say I'm a I'm for the first time in my life a shadow cat fan because of this run I would have to say yes and mm-hmm. uh, I it, there's so many great things that happen here uh, you know there is a little world building they kind of shoehorn in abigail brand from sword and then and there's a guest spot from uh ord from break world so you don't forget i mean that's the ultimate goal but the two points i really want to make is you know joss in his television writing career always took time to try to teach a lesson and not do it ham-handedly and um so what we have here is the definition of a mutant danger is a mutant. She is a program that mutated beyond a program and became a new being. So the fact that she fights against her own identity as a mutant kind of defines his whole story about the cure and am I a mutant or am I not, you know, am I a disease? Uh, 
and so poignantly he put he encapsulates his whole run into this one character and also i kind of think uh maybe tongue-in-cheek joss was like i want to introduce a new x-men a new mutant and editorial's like you know we know you're joss and buffy and all that but we just don't need you creating new superheroes so he just did it anyway yeah in the form of a one-off villain that i think is still around in x-men comics yeah, she's uh look I think she's gonna be joining X Factor and Peter David's new run, awkwardly enough. Really? Um, yeah, she made she was on the last panel or page of the last issue of X Factor. She shows up or she's involved somehow. Which is weird. So there you go. The lasting um, effects, Jossus. But the the and the other great Colossus Kitty Pride interaction in this volume is like there's this whole awkwardness like Colossus has been experimented on and alone for years and Kitty Pride's like nervous that he doesn't want to be around people she's like overthinking Peter's kind of lot in life like right now and and she doesn't want to overcrowd him and she doesn't want to be a pain in the aid like if he needs time to heal and needs to be alone or whatever and uh there's a great line when uh they're getting ready to go to genosha and uh they have their bit back and forth and he's like you know he's like kitty for the record uh you're not you're not crowding me nearly enough mm. and her and her face is like stunned it's like because like she needs she that was awesome that and the and the, her face the look on her face i'm looking at it now i love you kitty <laughs> i'm just i'm looking at it now it was, just, it was just really cool that that reassurance was in there i don't know it was just awesome i there was another there's a few like great there was a lot of great cyclops panels i don't know what it is about cassidy and cyclops in this costume but it was magic but there was one panel that I forgot about was when they were fighting that haggard sentinel that was crawling to the uh, school and Cyclops, you know, they're having trouble oh getting God. rid of it. So he just takes off his visor oh. and opens his eyes. And the way that Cassidy does it is half the page is red and you can only just see them as small characters inside the page, just as dark blobs. And it just conveyed like his optic blast in a way that I'd never seen before in like the most badass way. Yeah. I think Wolverine has the yeah. follow up lines. Yeah. Like every once in a while I'm reminded why you're in charge. Yes. And, uh, oh I mean, God. I don't think you ever see the upper limits of Cyclops's power very often. And uh, even if in his visor, his, you know, larger blasts are controlled, uh, and to really see him unleash, like, you kind of get why he's such a tight A that he needs to be super controlled because if that's the kind of power you can emit just by opening your eyes, like, you need somebody who is a stiff to control that kind of power. And the, I mean, the haggard sentinel is, like, frighteningly scary and beautiful at the same time. I mean, the his legs are chopped off, and he's just pulling like the just the thought of this jacked up robot. Like, it's it's like a horror movie when a dead body would do it, but the 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 Sentinel's just dragging himself to the school with his arms through the woods because he has got no legs, but he still has a mission to take care of. And oh my god, and and the way it's drawn is just yeah. There's one there's one panel with that Sentinel. 
I think maybe before he uses the optic blast, but Cassidy did that style where he, I don't know, he makes the artwork look aged and I don't know how else to describe it, but he did it with that Nick Fury panel that we talked about last week where they first show Nick Fury and like the one side of him that's near the red light almost fades away into the light. And he did the same thing with that Sentinel panel, but man, so great that his run on here. I'm actually super anxious to read the other volumes now because Mm -hmm. I I honestly can't remember how, you know, the quality of the work for both of them progressed. I just know that it ended in some kind of weird oversized one shot that was like delayed forever. And so I, I, I can't wait to read the rest. This may have been as far as I read. I can't remember if I read any more of that run, which has me super and peaked, super, mm-hmm. super interested to read. But the um, the interaction between Professor X and Danger is just like really great stuff. This char- this character Danger who came out of nowhere, who's got like in the few pages that they interact with each other, all of a sudden Danger is this storied character who's been at odds with Professor X for years, like Magneto levels of, there's just this tension built up between the two. And this character was just created a few books before. But the dialogue and the way it's drawn and the way it's, uh, the way it's written is just like, this, this danger has beef with Professor X out of the blue. And uh, it's it works really really well for the character, like to give the character some some meat. Yeah, w- one of the biggest factors toward that Dale, and something that made me hate Professor X is when he first turned on the Danger Room after these upgrades, which it's implied to be years earlier. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. She comes along and she asks, I think she asks like, "Who am I?" or where am I? Like, so she reaches out with her mind and Professor X picks it up and he's like, oh, well, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to ignore that because I need the teams to be in tip-top shape. So, I mean, what kind of... And this is a guy who's a rights activist that clinically ignores a new life form to train yeah. the X-Men. <laughs> I mean, I mean, who is this man? I thought man? it was a little... On this reread, I thought it was a... they're a little or a lot out of character. I didn't know how to view it this time around where I actually just remembered that it's similar to like the revelation that he had a original, a new secret X-Men team that he sent to Krakow to save the original X-Men and he never told anybody about it. And that was a secret that was revealed. So it's like, here's another secret that you didn't know about professor X that makes him look like a dish. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how I felt about it. I, I thought it was cool, but I thought I think I liked it more because it separated the X Men a bit. It like splintered them as a team. Like Cyclops even kind of uh, yelled at uh, White Emma, Emma Frost at the end there uh, because she sided with the Professor, and it was almost like I don't know if it really drove them apart because they all had different opinions on how he, Professor X viewed Danger as a sentient being, but. I don't know. I don't know how. I, I don't know if I liked it or not. I can't remember what I thought. I think maybe the point, because his his uh, Jocelyn's point was to get everybody at odds by the end of this arc, and not a team. And so maybe maybe it was a little shoehorned in to kind of get 
you know, everybody upset. Mm. But uh, I, yeah. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I, I took it as hard hitting, but I didn't, I didn't read into like being out of character. It may very well be, but I just like the uh, the fact that it was done just made my jaw drop. And was it disturbing? Mm. To say the least, because it made you made you feel for danger side of things all of a sudden, you know. Yeah, well, she becomes a team member. I think maybe on Brubaker's run or Rucka or whoever was writing Fraction, she becomes mm-hmm. a member of the team, um, which was kind of cool. It was, I mean, they definitely need new characters, and I liked that they kind of brought her into the universe more as like a regular thing. And then it always reminds me of that one issue of X Men where Magneto was locked up and thrown into a closet in this costume. It wasn't even rope. Never, it was just blue silly string. Never get over that. <laughs> oh, I'm caught up, guys. It was actually, funnily enough, that was the Orc, or not Orc, uh, Ord storyline where he comes back into the X-Men oh. universe. You know, come full circle. Magneto tied in a broom closet, powerless to do anything mm. about it. Magneto is powerless against rope and broom closets. <laughs> hey. Well, there's no magnets in rope. Yeah. So. <laughs> if those hinges aren't metal, then uh, he's useless. He's literally he's useless. useless. The uh, the two things, like Abigail, what's her name, and these two arcs are like completely hard A of a character. And I, for, I don't know what I've read recently, but she was like Beast's girlfriend oh, for yeah. a while there. And oh, she was like yeah. a big old softy. Mm. So uh, I'd like to see where that, how that character, tra- that character progression goes from where she goes from this mysterious character who would sleep with an alien to, uh, if it earth. meant protecting the earth. How about the little seedlings that he dropped about beast, uh, beast possible mutation or losing control where uh, he took down danger and there was the analogy of like a, what was it, a bird and a cat and where Professor oh, yeah. tells him that it's like, it's okay, it's done. And then he growls at Professor. It reminded me of that um, crusty Burger and the burglar. Remember, he's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> reminded me of that. But I thought that was a really cool scene and I mean, just really, um, just beautifully drawn wrap up where you know they even look to beast at the end when they're all okay and beast is just kind of almost ashamed or maybe even worried about what he just did he's just kind of looking away into the darkness i thought that was really well done i think cassidy's beast is probably the the, the most beautifully drawn whoa. i've seen him ever. whoa yeah strong words strong words strong and the, uh, words. I'm looking at the uh, the cliffhanger of the arc now, and it's with the Hellfire Club. I don't, I don't remember. I remember seeing this page. But I don't remember reading after it. But you figure a year plus of Emma being on the X Men, like it's, it doesn't probably, it's probably not as hard hitting right now because we've read the two arcs in a span of two weeks. But you figure if the uh, the issues were late, so you're looking at over a year on the run. And all of a sudden, like, Emma could be colluding with the Hellfire Club again. Yeah. Which I think I remember, because I think she double-crosses the Hellfire Club. I can't Might have been triple-cross. Classic Spoilers. Emma, triple-cross. Classic quintuple-cross. Well, I mean, it was interesting, too, in that Cassandra was shown. Cassandra Nova, Professor X's twin sister, was shown in that. When, uh, when Professor shot her pretty much in the face at the end of Morrison's run. <laughs> 
It happens. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I think he shot either shot her or someone broke her neck. Emma might have broken her neck and they shot her Ooh. in the face. I mean, oh my word, she was a mean bee. She was like the best uh, X Men villain at the at that entire run. Morrison outdid himself. I believe it. Oh God, wait, do we have we done that run? How many issues is that? No, do we wanna, no but I think we're gearing we up into that. I think it's, it's like sixty issues. I think it's six or seven it's a volumes. Lot. Oh, what about E for Extinction? <laughs> or it is? And we'll have to look to see the Cassandra Nova character when that wraps up because that'd be cool to do her story. Are we doing? Are, are we turning this in the X Men podcast? Is that what we're doing right <laughs> the now? Candy X cast. Oh man, I think it already exists. I think so too. Uh, any we'll take it any over. closing closing words? Uh, I uh, justice have mercy, Lord have mercy, justice have mercy. Uh, what a beautiful tribute to everything justice grew up loving by giving back this masterpiece to the comics community. Uh, these four volumes, I don't think. Uh, uh, where I think you know people can pick out flaws just like in in, in anything, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe they shouldn't because this is a wonderful effort, and uh, it's always going to be one of the seminal runs, and nobody can take that away from it. Completely concur on all points. Jonesy said the best. Said we got your die. letters. <laughs> I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. That's Jonesy painting those ivories one night. <laughs> uh, you were in my apartment that I shared with my fiance at the time. I had taken off uh, uh, my shirt. It was 116 degrees Fahrenheit yeah. in the apartment. We were. We were recording said, gems uh, I, for paper gag, and I think only one really made it. The rest are in the that archives. <laughs> you got your Bendis. You got your Molly. Oh, God, that was terrible. Ooh, what Santa <laughs> was that even for? News? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess every time I mentioned Bendis and Believe, you were going to spam me with it. <laughs> Let's see. There was uh, the Zatarain's... Uh, this week in comics and not just the big two. That was another one. Best not to talk about it, probably right. at this point. So for first letter comes to us from Paul Swanson. Paul writes, uh, what's up, keggers? Currently working my way through your back catalog at work. As a lats- lapsed comic fan, I appreciate the fact you guys cover the old and the new. But to my question, what are your impressions of the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer? Keep it up at Assorted Noise on the Twitter. That's a good question. Um, I liked it. It's it's sort of offbeat. It's uh, I I worry slash wonder how the uh, how it will fit and or how people will take it when it fits into the Marvel universe as we know it, the Marvel movie universe. But I but reading strictly only reading Bendis's run of Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it. Uh, I think it was a nice. Tra- I think it was a cool trailer. I think the, the uh, from what I seem to know of the characters, it's a ragtag group of spacefaring uh, troublemakers. I'm excited to see what 
comes of it. There, I said that that'll be the way of. <laughs> you know, uh, I will say this of the trailer as someone who has not read Guardians of the Galaxy, and who I guess is like the opposite of the target audience. I think the trailer was well cut enough that it makes me want to go see it. I'm not out of like brand loyalty, but. Uh, the trailer makes it look like a good movie, like a good, mm-hmm. funny science fiction, like uh, maybe like Fifth Element type of yeah, like sci-fi goofy movie. And that makes me want to go see it. So, I mean, if you call me the guy who doesn't know the source material but wants to see the film, I mean, you'll you'll get me on board. Slim, all rests on you. Uh, I didn't like it all that much. I did. I actually thought the pacing to the trailer was kind of off. I don't know. I thought some parts drug on too long. Maybe they could have been snappier, but that's just me. I also got a Firefly vibe from it, and you know, I'm not sure if you're aware, but... We're still flying, Joss. We're still having... Joss, we're still flying brown coats. I'm not into Firefly that much, but with that said, <laughs> if Marvel can tap into that rabid, psychopathic Firefly audience, I mean, they could have a, a honeypot on their hands. Uh, true or false, do you torture... Firefly uh, fans in your basement. True or false? Next, we're next, email. Flying, Jess. Next question. Jess, we're still out here. We're still flying. <laughs> I just, I, I, I will for the rest of eternity. I will egg Jonesy on if he will say that every time I start to egg him on because it's, it's my new favorite thing. Uh, next up is a friend of the show, Roy Cajal. Hmm. Hey guys, does friend of the show status give me the right to offer book club suggestions? Question. Uh, no, it doesn't. I randomly came across Adam, the Blue Marvel. It's a Marvel Comics five-issue limited series about a 1960s superhero who is black. He puts down his cape upon request of the government, and there are interesting repercussions that come from it. A little heavy-handed at times, but I would love to hear your guys' take. A uh, more popular suggestion, suggestion would be Thor, God of Thunder. It might even be worth reading the first two runs as they are one story. Thank you uh, from Roy, R.I.P. Mark Farrington. You know, for a fact, I read that Thor run. Oh, I read. No, I don't think there's enough J guards in the, on the planet to shield from you two talking about Thor, God of Thunder. <laughs> you wouldn't even need to be you there. Guys so just, you could just the, moderate. The whole episode would just be all of you two scissoring each other while the while the <laughs> iPad was in front of you. Dale, question to you: What was your favorite scene of him with two hammers? <laughs> Jonesy, question to you. What did you love about his airship that flew through space? Oh, my God. You just bring it all flooding back now. God, we could. We're still out here flying, Dale. We're still out here flying, Dale. Um, I'd be. I'm, I'd, I'm interested in this um, Adam the Blue Marvel. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd heard check of it. that. Yeah. I mean, once we do our next 20 episodes on X Men, maybe we can reevaluate what book clubs we want to do. Yeah, and then we could, do, we could kind of pull the mic back. We'll definitely. Stay away from Marvel for a little bit. And, uh, for a week or two. For a week or two. We love Marvel. Alleged. We love Marvel. <laughs> Our uh, next letter uh, comes to us from a friend of the show. Uh, you may know him as uh, Karate Chop 16 on the Twitter. Sean D. He writes, Sweet baby Jossus. After listening to episode 140, I wanted nothing more than to take that astonishing X-Men run out behind the middle school. (laughs) Inappropriate. As a comic reader growing up, (laughs) we're still out here in the middle school, flying. As a comic reader growing up, 
I always <laughs> envied X-Men fans and their passion. I wanted to love the X-Men, but the convoluted history and the uneven quality of the books over the years always put me off. Then Gifted came along, a perfectly accessible, engaging story sprinkled with Whedon's humor and bolstered by some great Cassidy art. I instantly fell in love with the series and the X-Men as a result. It's magical stuff. Mm-hmm. Glad to hear you all enjoyed it as much as I did. While I'm at it, I'd like to simply say thanks. Life's hectic, and it probably takes an extra five hour for you guys to get through recording some nights, but the moment I push play on the latest episode, it's truly one of the highlights of my week. Know that what you do is greatly appreciated, and keep up the good work, fellas. High fives, uh, Sean D. Thank you. That's very kind of you. We appreciate the kind words. That was a great email. That's awesome email. Thanks, man. Uh, we uh, that, that was really nice and flattering. Thank you. Dale, He's Dale in, uh, did have a five-hour tonight, FYI. <laughs> I did. I'm all excited. <laughs> He's in uh, Florida right now, sunning his uh, the bottom of his feet, probably has his socks off, <laughs> uh, sitting by the pool right now, getting out of that cold, this cold weather. <laughs> Uh, apologies to you, uh, Karate Chop. His daughter did uh, puke on the plane ride down there, so uh, we're going to send some paper keg love down your way. Hope you enjoy the vacation, my friend, because you still got to fly back up. Uh, next uh, letter is uh, from TJ Rankin. Uh, uh, subject, Hail Jossus Full of Grace. <laughs> hey, keggers. <laughs> This is good old Tom at at the at that movie freak on the Twitters. Great shows lately, especially love the Lazarus one. So much so that with my own personal graphic novel book club, I made it the next book. I hope they like it. If they don't, I'll just tell them to quote eat your own and die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Was thinking lately about your episode reviewing the Wolverine. No, you guys are busy with ch- with those children things, but I'd love to see more movie reviews, either monthly or bi-monthly. I think there's enough comic-associated movies now to do that sort of thing. Thanks for the good work. Mm. Thank you for the letter, man. That was uh, guys. We just got a letter hot, hot off the presses as we're recording live. What? Uh, it might be from the king. Kind of. I do want to say that we we do want to do another. Uh, non-comic book club episode. Maybe plans are in the works. Maybe. Whoa, well, he, spoilers. Uh, he may have, qu- he may have um, maybe lit a fire. Yeah, a, a fire pushed us over to the edge. the proverbial rear. Yeah. Yeah. For you, TJ, thank you. In advance. All right, here we go. Sup is the title of this letter. I got caught up on the last three apps today. And find that I've been called a pansy by Jonesy. I don't, let's go to the tape. I don't think so. Yeah. And a sucker by Slim. Both true. At least I've still got. <laughs> at least I've still got Dale. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Jonesy, I'm sorry I said eat s and die because you liked Infinity. <laughs> I'm also sorry you have terrible taste. <laughs> you can like anything by Jason Aaron and hate everything uh, Rob Liefeld. Love you, Ben. Slim, if I was going to troll you with an email, I wouldn't use my own last name to do so. Sorry, other listener named Peterson. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're still mad about the name five I stumped you with, but I think you got me back pretty good by making that terrible ultimate six a pick. (laughs) A pick of the week on Comixology. 
Spoilers, you work for Comicsology. <laughs> Dale, you Can't. made a fantastic choice with Astonishing X-Men. I love that book and try to reread it every year. All trolling aside, you guys have the best comic book podcast on the net, and I'm lucky to be considered the letter king of the said best show. Much love, Fark Mac... Oh, I mean Dragonfro. Ultimate Six is a good comic book, first of all, and I think everyone should read wow, it. Wow, he even said drop the trolling, and you still can't let it go. <laughs> Great book. Wow. So what do you guys that's think? A, I, uh, that's a good crop of letters this week, boys. Feels did, good. Did we give sentient birth to a wind column and then never <laughs> ignore it until it burst out right. of uh, a sentinel with no legs. Is that what we did here tonight? I think. A no legs sentinel sentient danger room wind column. Uh, that's what it feels like. And then we, like. St- we, we started attacking the sentient brain of the wind column, but that's what it wanted so it could break free. Because the wind column knows what you want already because it's the wind column that's known us for years. Oh, Joss, we're still up there. We're still flying, Joss. We're still flying, Joss. <laughs> still, still flying.net. We're here. We're here, Joss. Still flying.net. If that's a real thing, I'm going <laughs> to scream and rip out my hair. Don't tell me that's a real thing. Uh, if you like this witty repartee, uh, coats. Coats. shoot us a review on iTunes if you're so inclined. We'll see everybody next week. Thanks. We don't want to bring the, the wrath of the brown coats down on us, Dale. We really don't. Thanks for the letters, y'all. Unfortunately, stillflying.net navigates you. It's one of those uh, marketing pages where they just Google that phrase and there's links <laughs> oh, to yeah. buy stuff that say like Firefly series merchandise, Firefly merchandise, Firefly clothes merchandise. It's a shame. It's a money-making a idea shame. right there. Yep. Slim would unfriend you. If oh my you God, I would un-everything you. Whatever the un-D is, it would be it. <coughs> good heavens. What a show. What a show we had. That was a good one. That was a good one. Can't wait to lower the volume on Jonesy's red lines. Oh, Come on, I am not redlining long. at all. all you're going to you're gonna have to... I might not even just bother to just add his line in. Just mute my Slim. audio and I'll just sound Slim, like you were talking to What are you a, saying you know, right now? <laughs> Oh, God. I might not even bother. (laughs) (laughs) What uh, what else did I read this week? I think that was it. Punisher 2. I read uh, between last week and this week. Punisher 2, man. Punisher's so good. How about that mask that he wore in that second issue? Mm. Yeah, right? Mm. Did you notice he was wearing a Hawkeye t shirt? (laughs) <laughs> yes, I thought that was the coolest touch. I wasn't sure. I was like, it's, it's so subtle, mm-hmm. but the purple gives it away. It's amazing. And he's uh, he's like befriended that coyote. Oh, Luke. yeah. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. You know, and then uh, 
I like it's kind of like you know they keep it grounded like they keep it in the Marvel U. Electro shows up at the end. It's mm-hmm. uh, in, it's interesting because it it works because the uh, and I think it's cool how the um, they're they're the Howling Commandos and they're after him. I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm a huge fan. I I wouldn't even care if it was triweekly. I don't even know what that means, but I right? think that means it comes but out a lot. True. <laughs> my uh, did you? I I told my wife. About you your episode where I showed her my Photoshop of your faces. <laughs> yeah. And she asked when I was getting my episode. And I didn't even think of such an of idea them, where I choose the book club and I choose your books. Here we go. Just I think just it's, it's just only natural. Just do on that. Yeah. 142. Well, I thought we were doing all the I thought we were doing all Joss Whedon. Oh, that's right. That's right. 145, this limb episode. 144? 144. A lot of numbers. A lot of numbers coming out from over there. That's Bendis math. <laughs> Bendis math right there. It's got to make 650 so grand we'll a year. we'll see. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm just going to keep that in the in back of Rolodex, my mind. In Be your prepared. mind Rolodex? My Holodex. Your mind palace. Do you watch uh, Sherlock? You're not caught up, are you, Dale? No, I'm not D- caught up. I Jonesy, watched the are first you up? two episodes. I am. I, I've what, seen what did all you think of the uh, finale of... How? How? <laughs> I, I don't know. Jonesy is caught up on every pop culture <laughs> TV show and comic book. We, we addressed this, I think it was last week, in depth, about how we need him <laughs> investigated. You were going to audit my life. Yeah, we need a life audit. I don't, I don't know what is going on in that house of yours. Do you it's, even you see, wipe your own rear end? Does your wife come in and just w- <laughs> it wipe between your butt cheeks? What? We have a machine for that. <laughs> it's digital. It's got Wi-Fi. So what were your uh, thoughts? I yeah. thought that the, or going to keep it non-spoilers, I thought that the ending of the finale was shoehorned in there. Oh, yeah. I uh, I don't want to say anything because Dale hasn't seen it. I won't. No, you, you don't uh, have to. I, I think uh, what happened was Slim that they're there was not a plan to come back for series four. And I think the demand was too high. So they, uh, they kind of added that last 10 minutes and it didn't fit the finality of the whole episode before that. So it is a little jarring. And so of course they didn't answer the ultimate question of how did he fake his death? Because they, they must've had that, I think originally as the ending of the third episode, we were going to definitively find out how he did it. Mm-hmm. But because they were pl- uh, planning to bring a certain character back, they cut it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that'll be the real shock is how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always wondered if... Um, I didn't think he was. I just, It was just too vague. Like you never saw... Well, things. I mean, the cutaway... Yeah. The the cutaway was done intentionally, mm-hmm. certainly. So they they left themselves an out. I wonder. I and just now I don't know why it. they added at the end of the season. Why not save that for the premiere, the tease of season four? That I don't know. That would, in my mind, probably a better option. Because uh, the he takes off. Oh, you got to turn around. Oh, you're about to leave. This is so sad. Oh, I'm back. Yeah. Why not have a whole uh, season? It, it where was. X is he's got to fight his way back away or something. X, and you have to wait until X blank Z, right? 
Exactly. <laughs> why? Uh, why? Uh, what a week. Uh, yeah, so I definitely thought the climax of the third episode was garbage. Not in the same tone. You can I, say garbage. I will not go that far. I think Sherlock is too brilliant as a series speaking to of, call any of it garbage. Speaking of garbage, I uh, updated the uh, Google Hangouts app Jesus. on my iPhone, and I really didn't yeah, like uh-huh. it. Rare occasion I voice my disgruntled opinion on an app. I don't really do that anymore. Keep it to myself. Or I text yeah, you guys. Sure. Uh, I said that the Google Hangout iOS 7 app is gross as heck. Get me out of here. In reference to Apple. Got a little fave on that. And a reply. The guy who designed oh, the app. Ooh, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> how'd, uh, how'd that reply go? Uh, he wanted to know what I thought was gross about it. So I gave him my honest opinion. I can see Dale just typing in twitter.com slash slim to see see the chain right now. <laughs> I'm, I can see, I'm not doing I can see my face. I can see Actually, my face loading up on his glasses. Uh, I'm not even <laughs> He has one of those uh Google watches where you can just call up the tweet and read it on his wrist. Uh, you read I, just, I just Google, thought it was funny like the rare instance that I do say something whiny the guy that designed the app replied to me. What do you find what <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't think it's, it doesn't God, fit. God, like, God. I love the Google Now app design for iOS and Google Maps, but it just doesn't fit with that design family. It looks oh, too he's got he's definitely got a text filter shit oh, set yeah, up he's though been because he's to people all night. <sighs> That's my life, you know. Pro- it's my life. Takes a village, he said to one user. Takes a village. Oh, smiley face. Mm. Oh yeah, he's smiley facing it up. Dude, he says dude a lot. Feedback has been roundly positive so far, but I only hear the negative stuff. Wink, wink emoticon. I mean, download it. Maybe you'll like it. It it seems maybe more in line with the Google Plus app design. Oh, uh, was, was there tiles and I'm things? I'm not super fine of that app. Hmm. You know, it's my life. Yeah. I watched uh, International Incident on the train this morning, 1996, WWE in your house, main event. What? <laughs> Can you download it to nah, locally? You gotta or? stream it. What do you got? A uh, well, we updated. A we updated our AT and T plans. I got ten gigs now every month. I'm Get streaming that s whenever I can. Mobile. You getting free free wheel? Getting with freaky it. Free, with it. That's what I do with that app. Stick it in my pants. Freaky with yeah. <laughs> um, I do. I do want to play one thing before we sign off. I think maybe this episode. Let's, uh, should, or should we just leave it in the ether as something that maybe that's bigger than itself? I'll let Dale decide. Dale, you think we should play it or just leave it? God, please don't do it. Please don't <laughs> do it. Please, what do I have to do to make you not do it? I mean, people need to hear, right? People, they, people do need to hear it. <laughs> you know, we've referenced it for a f- uh, probably a few months, 100 episodes ago. We're friends, Dale. We're Jonesy just went at he went out of con- he went out of control. It was one of it was I mean I listened to portions of this episode one of the worst episodes we've ever done off the rails we had two guest hosts Mary Sale on the Twitter at uh, D Sale seven 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 husband and wife team yeah you you mm. throw in two guest hosts you throw off the show it's hard to oh, it's hard yeah. to wrangle the show Dale gave up two minutes into the show. Said to hell with it. <laughs> this isn't going to get any better. 
And uh, so this is the fireside segment. Oh, God. We're not playing it, are we? Dale, where are you no, at here? And this is... Getting my back. This is Jonesy. He's Dale's on Cloud. He's here. on Cloud Playing. 9 right now. Jonesy, I'm setting the stage. Cloud 9. He is literally soft-shoeing at his little couch. And we're talking about how Jonesy created this segment. And Just Dave, dear friend of ours, known him for decades. He just doesn't <laughs> he just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand what the fireside is. So let's just let that play out for a minute here. This seriously happens. You play to the end of the song. Uh, well, sometimes the sometimes music just stops, and then we're still just talking about regular yeah. jumps. This is, is raw. This what it is, it's raw though? time. Is, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not oh, really. There's yeah. No, we're not there's stopping, no and then he starts something? This is just how it is. Yeah, yeah. Are you for real? You're such a J-bag. You, you make, really? <laughs> <laughs> you make it sound like this is the no, worst segment no, ever. No, I'm just saying. Now, listen. Keep your own and die, because this is the best segment ever. Oh, my God. Listen, no. No, I don't want to hear whatever bullshit. You got coming no, out of your mouth. Listen, listen, no, this is, no, this is, no because Matt made it sound like you had this great idea, and it is. <laughs> it's just <us> talking. <laughs> it's just talking. Yeah, that's we're on a talk show. <laughs> I'm not. You're nice. waiting for like you, stuff to stop and us to start. You haven't listened in a very long time. Oh, you wouldn't know. Loves outbursts. You're a genius. Jonesy you still a genius. at the. He's yeah. still at the company store right now. Jonesy just wants, wants to, to wrestle give everyone to the death. He wants to he give does. the listeners oh more. Yeah, it's just, you know. He wants everybody to know him inside and some out. Some behind the scenes stuff. We're back. I am like out of flipping you. control. There's no controlling me. It's like he was auditioning. or It's like he was at a party and, oh, he, God. He, and he thought that he w- had to be on. You know what I mean? Because the spotlight when that, was on him. He rarely comes out that Jonesy, but that was the peak. The the Dale, I'm still here, flying Dale. I mean, he he comes out. If you're at a gathering and there's maybe one or two people that Jonesy doesn't know yet, he's got to lay on that charm. <laughs> he's got to put on a one man show, show and show you what oh, he's all yeah. about. You know what was great about that, which I didn't realize at the time, was it's not just eat s and die. It's eat your own s and die. Yeah. I mean, that's like a next. That's next level insult. I mean, that I, that takes that takes hate. That takes anger. That takes emotional baggage to tell someone to just eat their own s. I, I mean, it, the whole thing. Like, there's 50 voices talking at the same time. You even hear and then you. We could hear you just be totally bemused with the whole situation. Oh man. Oh. I was not. I was more not my not my finest moment uh, by far. <laughs> Numb nuts. This is a talk show. Numb nuts. <laughs> there's like there's three quotes in there that could be t-shirts. I, yeah, I think yeah. I think you called him a <laughs> you called him a J bag J bag. But I, I mean, how amazing would it be if you did abbreviate that? Like actually calling someone a J bag. <laughs> Oh, God, no. Oh, man. Stillflying.net.